Fish got it. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. Well, my guest today is Dr. Chilla Varesh. She is one of the staff doctors at the True North Health Center, and today she's going to be talking about how to be resistant to stress for optimal health. Please welcome her to the show. It's nice to see you again. It's been a while. It has been a while, and it's fabulous to see you as always. I love it. I, I always, I actually look at your YouTube just to see what outfits you're wearing. Cause I'm like, I, usually, I <laughs> love them. them. That's so funny. Thank you. A lot of them are gifts from viewers, believe it or not, but thank you. Hey, I might be coming to True North in the next couple of months, just for some hey. hours. So I'll hopefully get to see you. How are things there? Probably still booked up many months in advance. Yeah, even more so. I, I, you know, we're hoping to launch the book soon that Alan keeps talking about, um, and that's really an exciting kind of adventure for him and and us in general. Just because um, it's going to be probably a next step moving forward for True North. You know, just having people more mainstream understanding the benefits of fasting and how wow. it can save your life potentially. Wow, it just seems like it. I, I've not, have you done it? Yes, water fasting. And how long do you go for? Usually anywhere from five to seven days. I think I, you know, I I say this in my lectures when I started, and I think I probably mentioned this to you when we kind of started working together over a decade ago, believe it or not. Um, But, you know, at the start of it, I didn't really think everybody needed to fast um, with the new research and what we are really realizing with the world today. um, I do really believe that everybody um, in this world that, that is, that can fast um, should be fasting even for a short time. It doesn't have to be, you know, long, like 21, 30 days. It can be like a good three day fast or even a juice cleanse. You know, if you can't do a water only fast, obviously. So it, I, it just sounds really hard. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is. You know, I, I always, I, people are always, uh, I always talk to people and I joke because everybody's like, you must be the best faster because you work at this place. And I, a little secret for everybody is that I am one of those people that needs to be not working. I am sitting most of the day and I am like, you know, three to four out of 10 energy. So like it is, I, I, I give it up and I have so much compassion, empathy for people who fast because I'm, I, it's, hard for me too, for sure. Yeah. Do you think, yeah, I've heard people say, and tell me if this is true, that water is actually easier than juice because eventually your hunger does go away. Uh, it's very different for everybody that I have, have, I have actually had many individuals that have come back and said, you know what, I don't really want to water fast anymore. Um, I just want to juice fast because it was so much easier because some people actually feel like when they're on juices, it's almost like they're eating, but they're in a place where they can rest and, have such a deep cleanse and have some nutrients, you know? So I think it's very individual, very individual. Wow. That's interesting. So, you know, can you, you always, not you always, but I've always heard this thing called autophagy. So that won't happen though in a juice fast, right? It won't happen as much. You, you do get a little bit of, well, you know, what autophagy really is, is that it, it is this with the lower caloric load, um, all the way down to obviously not eating at all. What you start to do is you start to ramp up what they're called is like, you know, your genetic, basically proteins and you're changing, you're modifying gene, you know, function, which then tells the cells basically how to perform. So what you're doing is cells that might be a little bit too old. You're kind of pushing them into something called, um, apoptosis, which means cell suicide which is something that's really natural that happens. And then also we have something called lysosomes in our, in our cells that are, I always think of them as like vacuums or cleaners in the cell. And what we do is we ramp up that ability to clean out cells. So as you can imagine, when cells work really well, um, or when they're clean, they work much better and they work really well. So, um, with the juice you're getting there, and that's actually Walter Longo's work, to be honest with you, is the fact that we are in a society that has just an overconsumption of calories on, on a whole, the majority of people, especially on the sad diets. And so when we start to like really dive down into caloric uh, deficits, um, we start to see more and more of that autophagy happening, but the, the, the full-blown, you know, the autophagy that, that was studied and won the Nobel prize is with no calories whatsoever. So that pushes wow. cells into it. So, yeah. 
Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, do people ever, I, I would imagine like that you have people that have very, very serious conditions there. And I guess when you're really, really sick, you're more motivated, but when you're basically well, it, it just seems like, gosh, that's kind of extreme to give up food. It, it's preventative though. I mean, yeah. but, but remember though, too, you know, this is what I'm, this is what I really truly believe at this day and age. And, and I think you probably know this as well. And your viewers probably understand this as well, just from the vast majority of doctors that you've had on your show, you know, food is, is so primary in terms of how we can get people into really healthier states, but it's not everything, right? Um, if, if people, I mean, I work with a ton of people that have whole food plant-based down, I mean, they have that nailed that that's not the concern. The concern is like, are they sleeping seven to nine hours, right? Um, do they have a really good community or do they feel alone or are they at odds with people? You know, are they, you know, are they not realizing that they have really toxic individuals in their lives and like very close and even it could be even a partner or a close friend that's constantly tearing them down. Um, what's the reason I'm even here, right? Is the stress resilience course. The reason I even created that is because so many of my patients said, I love eating this way. My problem is I feel like quote unquote, I'm an addict or quote unquote, I can't keep maintaining this because, um, I feel like, you know, I'm the food is like driving me. And one of the th reasons I created it is because with all the literature we have and what we know now, actually it could be emotional, right? It could be actually biochemical with serotonin, dopamine from long-term tra trauma and stressors. So that's one of the aspects. And then nowadays, you know, our soil is actually devoid of nutrients because of what we're doing with our farming practices, right? So we're getting into really regenerative farming, farming kind of practices with um, certain individuals like Zach Bush and, and other people who are really making this in the forefront. And then we have the chemicals, you know, we have toxicants, we have um, pesticides, herbicides. So there's just, I mean, there's a lot that goes into health of the body, which brings me back to like what you said is the fact that yes, sick, you know, people who have a chronic illness maybe needed more, but I think all of us are in this environment that needed just as preventative, even if we're quote unquote eating healthy. So. So when somebody that's basically healthy, like let's say eats like me comes in, do you just start young water right away? Or do you like type, do you do juice, you know, free feed juice, then water? It depends on what a person's level of comfort would be. I would say if somebody is really tentative and, and just really like, I don't know about this, I would probably inch them into the water. Like you just said, um, if somebody comes and they're just like, you know what, I'm ready to go. And they're eating whole food plant-based and they did a really good prep with just fruits and vegetables. I would probably just let them go right into the water. Yeah, that's if, right. if they're safe, you, got, you can't go from like all the potatoes to what you got to do fruits and vegetables. Yes. First. Yeah, for two or three days. And then, as you know, and, and you've talked to Alan so many times, you know, it, it, it not everybody is safe to do a fast at every point in time in their life. So it really is, you know, if you're going to do a fast, please, please talk to a doctor first to make sure that it's safe for you. But, but if you are safe, then, you know, there's no, you know, if you're not on medications, if you don't have a certain health condition that that really is contraindicated for fasting, then yeah. Wow, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about this course. Like, is it self-directed? Is there interaction? Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. Um, so the course is around two hours. Um, if you're going to do it, just start to finish and it's divided into two pieces. And um, like I said, the reason why I created it was because I have a lot of patients that come to me um, and they are really trying to either stay on whole food plant-based um, or um, they have maybe binge eating um, concerns, or, um, they have, you know, they, they consider themselves quote unquote, an addict, you know, a food addict and, and, and they have a lot of struggle, um, just stay, or, or maybe I shouldn't say struggle. I'm going to say more like fears in, you know, what to do when they come into like the real world outside of true North. So I created it for the, for that individual. Um, and the course basically takes someone, um, it is, it is something that you can start and stop many different times. You can take notes. Um, there is a workbook that you can actually do with it. And it just examines and explains why, um, it's so important to be aware and conscious of stress, 
um, and the stress component of how it impacts um, our everything, like it, it, our emotions, um, our feeding structure, whether or not we can feel full, like uh, satiation, whether or not we're hungry all the time, our cravings, um, you know, how our gut microbiome um, functions. And, and we now know that, that there is such a big connection with the gut microbiome and our neurotransmitters, which actually drives our emotions and our feeding patterns. So um, it, it, that, I, that awareness piece, I think, is really, really important um, to help someone continue this amazing journey that they start with whole food plant-based. Um, and so the, the course is really designed for that person. It, it's part one is just understanding why you should learn about this or why this is important. And then part two is really just diving deep into some really practical tools to be able to manage stress. So wow, that's a key word, manage it. Cause it doesn't ever seem to go away. Does it? No. And it, and that's why I call this stress resilience is because you can't stress is change. So anything, you know, I mean, everybody has a different uh, ability to, you know, kind of deal with stress, manage stress and, and, and even traumas, right. For some people, um, a, a singular trauma can impact someone deeper or harder than another one, depending upon whatever their genetic susceptibility is, their family life, you know, how healthy their, their, um, you know, different systems, like their immune system, their microbiome, like I said. Um, so it is really about the resilience piece and how to stay resilient and how to manage, you know, on a daily basis. Nice. Here's a question from a live viewer named Joyce in the chat. Yeah. If you have certain medications that you must take daily, like for hypothyroidism, when you're water fast, do you still take your daily medications or not, or daily vitamins or supplements? And uh, what is the best water? <laughs> um, so the, so yes, um, if you are on certain medication, like and, and, and really the only medication that we, we above and beyond, you know, can allow on a fast is thyroid medication. What we usually do. Um, and again, I just want to state that this would be something that your physician or your attending would, would determine. Um, usually what we do is we, uh, half the dose of the thyroid, but every other medication and every other supplement would be discontinued during the fast. Um, another little side note I'm going to throw in there is that it is not safe sometimes to come off of every single medication um, for a fast, just cold turkey. Um, for instance, you know, um, SSRIs, any kind of anticonvulsants. Like, I mean, there's just benzos, you know, there's certain classes of drugs that you will have, you know, you will have to taper with your doctor in order to come off in a safe manner before you fast. But if, if you're on just even supplements, those are something that we can just get you off of right before the fast. So, um, it's, there's nuances. So it's, it's not one of, that's why I was saying it's really better to talk with a doctor and just kind of get a full assessment of whether or not it's safe for you to jump right into a fast. Right. Because you're not recommending people do this at home. You're recommending medical supervision right. North. You're screening the people. People don't just like show up and say, Hey, I'm here. Right. They, <laughs> they've right. talked, they talked to Dr. Goldhammer at length to see if that's even, they're a good candidate. Yeah. And actually what he's even doing nowadays, because we're seeing such a uh, increase in individuals that are really interested in fasting through the podcast that he's been doing and just kind of being in the public, um, he is really helping individuals figure out the right path for them. Um, so he talks to them and that's a free consult. And then if he really feels like there is a double down that, that can happen right before somebody comes in, he will schedule a consult or a coaching session with one of us, just so we can get people into a really healthier state so that they will do better and they will actually have greater results from the fasting because, um, you know, one of the things is, like I said, I mean, when you're, when you're walking into a fast, some people aren't always going to do uh, amazingly well, just because fasting is hard. You know, it is, it's, it's not this easy, um, thing that you walk into, especially if you're coming in with a lot of stress, if you're coming in with a lot of medications, if you're coming in with a lot of inflammation, those kinds of things. Powerful, but it's Did not you easy. answer the question about water? I can't remember now. Um, what water do we use? We use a distiller. So we use uh, steam distillation. So we have a, a really beautiful pure water distiller. 
Um, so that takes out all the impurities from it. So nice. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, we had somebody send in a question in advance whose birthday is in two days. So happy birthday. Yay, happy birthday. Yeah. She, she says, this is my birthday question so, <laughs> uh, for Dr. Varesh. And she says, her name is Laurel. She says, I've been whole food plant-based and SOS free for more than a dozen years, but my blood pressure has remained high even after a fasted true north. Plus in the last three years, I'm now hypothyroid. I'm a 65 year old woman, have had high blood pressure since 25 and have been medicated since 31. I want to get off my blood pressure and hypothyroid meds, but I can't seem to get my numbers to budge. Do you have any suggestions? Well, a lot of things. I mean, again, it goes back to like what I kind of started off with is that first thing I always do is look at foundations of health. So, um, it's great and awesome job on being whole food plant-based SOS free and great job on doing a water fast. But what I would examine is, you know, what is your sleep pattern? So there's a lot of study that has been done. If you're not sleeping seven to nine hours throughout the night, and if you're, if you're not sleeping distinctly, um, you know, through the night, um, that many hours, you can have higher levels of blood pressure. So that is one thing that's been studied, especially with sleep apnea type of studies. Um, that's another thing, you know, if you do feel like you snore or your partner tells you, you snore, I would do like a sleep study just to figure that out. Um, the other thing is too, is stress. So that can come from many different areas. Remember stress when cortisol is released in the body, right? One of the things it does is it causes vasoconstriction, which means your arteries start to really shrink, um, in size. And so there's a lot of force when your heart pushes that blood through that, that rises your blood pressure. Um, so that's one other thing to really focus in on. And if there is like just a regular level of stress, then, you know, kind of diving in deep. Um, if you were in my office, I would probably kind of go through a series of questions like, you know, do you know if you've had like a water damage building, in your history that you lived in or you worked in or what kind of environment that you, um, you know, find yourself in, like, is there a higher level of um, some sort of environmental toxin, you know, is, has there been mold in your environment? Because those things can actually bring up your blood pressure. There's a lot of study on nitric oxide. So one of the things that I would do is test your nitric oxide levels, because there's a huge um, kind of, um, actually even in the conventional world, believe it or not, um, they're looking at, uh, cardiovascular inflammation and it's linked to nitric, nitric oxide, um, deficiency. So that's another aspect I would look into. Um, so there's a couple of things. I mean, it's, it, it really would be, um, looking into some of, or, or let's, let me say it this way, overturning some of the rocks that maybe haven't looked haven't, haven't been looked under with, you know, just maybe focusing just deeply on the whole food plant base, which is important, but it's not everything. Nice. And she also wanted to know, is there a trustworthy test to test for iodine deficiencies? Yeah, absolutely. You can do a 24 iron, I 24 hour iodine urine catch. So those are the most kind of sensitive and specific tests. So LabCorp, I know Quest does it too. Your doctor just has to order it. And then you get this beautiful, big orange tub that you're just going to pee in for 24 hours. And that gives you uh, basically a tissue, you know, value throughout the day. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. You're um, welcome. Beth says, has anyone ever tested negative after fasting for viruses, which are not supposed to go away? We have had some individuals, um, but the question has always been about the validity of the testing done. Um, there are some, I mean, we have definitely seen, I will say this, because um, with fasting and with improving all different functions now that we know, like if, if you are resetting the microbiome, um, like I said, fasting is also very parasympathetic. So you're in a very good resting state. So when you're resting and you're in the parasympathetic, your immune system is going to be boosted, right? You're going to be actually, um, having a better immune function with that sort of, um, nervous system kind of regulation. Um, in addition to that, you know, fasting in and of itself kind of helps to regulate um, not only inflammation, but your immune system. So with all of that, we have seen titers go down. So we have seen like, I've seen EBV antibodies, like kind of go down. I've seen like, um, even like immune function, like for thyroid antibodies go down. So we have, or, or herpes, 
you know, herpes uh, simplex one and two, we've actually seen them go down. So when we see those actually start to improve, um, you know, the, the, the thought is, is that we are actually either helping the body um, really regulate that immune system uh, kind of response to those viruses, but um, it's not something that I would say I see consistently for sure. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. Uh, here's a question from Jesse. If you're a longtime SOS-free person, whole food plant-based doing a water fast, but you've also had GERD for a long time and experienced painful heartburn during the water, water fast, how do you handle that? Well, one of the things I would do is actually examine and find out why you have GERD. So you, somebody who is still having GERD, if they're whole food plant-based, SOS-free, there's something causing the GERD. And so it could be something you're eating, um, even though, quote unquote, it's in the whole category of whole food plant-based. So for instance, sometimes tomatoes, which are delicious and awesome, um, are just maybe too, um, or they cause reactions in individuals that are maybe more sensitive to it. So that's one thing I would look at. H. pylori is another thing that I would look into. I would also look into microbiome assessments. I would look into stomach acid to see if you're even producing enough stomach acid which I know sounds counterintuitive. Um, but what happens is, is that many people in this day and age, because our digestive function is so diminished, um, our stomachs actually have to work over time in order to produce that acidity um, to break down all the foods. So actually we have more hyperchloridria, which is like low stomach acid, which causes the acid reflux to happen. So there's a lot of reasons why, um, that's what I would look into first, first and foremost, like you shouldn't be living with acid reflux for the rest of your life. There's a reason. And then one thing that is only really diagnosed when you do an endoscopy, which is like a camera down the throat is figuring out if you have a hiatal hernia. Um, if you do have a hiatal hernia and you ever come to true North, Dr. Goldhammer has an amazing adjustment that I will say is a hundred percent effective, um, for that. Um, it's not fun, but it's, but it's definitely effective. So <laughs> I love that. Not fun. That's probably why he likes it so much because it's not fun. Right. Well, exactly. Um, have you seen inflammatory arthritis improve, but not be able to heal completely at true North? Uh, like rheumatoid arthritis or osteoarthritis? Um, she's calling it, she's calling it inflammatory. So maybe you could address both. Yeah. So what I will say is this, I, I, we definitely for both, um, whether or not it's rheumatoid arthritis, um, or some sort of autoimmune type of pain patterns, or, um, if it is osteoarthritis, which is much more like just inflammation in the joints, that's wears it down. Both of them do respond really well. And we have actually seen some cases go right into remission for both of them. Um, it depends just like anything, it depends on the individual. It depends on how many medications you've been on. It depends upon um, how much you know stress is in your life. What kind of you know what kind of other inflammatory conditions are going on in the in the person's body? Whether or not in osteoarthritis, one of the concerns obviously is how extreme is it? Like, are you having bone on bone? Um, you know what kind of, you know, therapies you've tried prior to. So it's, it's a little bit individual. I will say that most people do see benefits for sure. Um, but whether or not it goes into like full remission is really independent upon the person. Nice. And the thing is, is whatever you do with true North, you got to continue afterwards. If for sure. Yeah. That's what I, do, do you see that a lot with, I mean, it's human nature, you know, to, for sure. Well, that's, that's to be a hundred percent honest, uh, AJ, like the reason why I did the course is because I have had, uh, in the 10 years I've been there, as you can imagine, I've seen thousands of patients. So, uh, what I have seen is that people come, um, and they really want, you know, the fast to be the end all be all, but as you know, um, you know, health is in a continuum. So either you're, you're driving yourself towards chronic illness or you're driving yourself towards optimal health. And the beautiful thing about doing whole food plant-based, you know, SOS free or doing this really amazing health journey, um, with leading with nutrition, um, is that you're constantly working your way towards optimal health, but then there's other pieces that need to be worked in, in 
order to, 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 to sustain that. And when people come and they do a fast, they go back into the world and the real world, there is stressors. You know, there are husbands, wives, kids, family members, friends. There is the world. We live in a very artificially kind of stimulated world with, you know, processed foods, you go into a restaurant, it's really easy. It's really, it's really easy to go off the plan or really hard to like, kind of stay on it. Um, you know, we, we are around like cell phones and computers constantly. We're, we're lacking intimate connections, things of that nature, which all drive these, you know, kind of imbalances, cortisol dysfunctions, like our adrenal dysfunctions and dopamine, serotonin, which drive cravings, which drives us to, you know, eat, you know, make poor choices, which drives cravings, all of that stuff. So um, just going back to what you said, it really is important to understand that the fast is a very small piece of your life. And it really is important to do something when you're out of true North in order to sustain that. And that's where like something like the course comes into play or, you know, getting in with like groups like yours, like a membership program where you have a really strong community um, and you're constantly like built up by other people that, you know, want to live a healthy life or you make drastic changes in your life, right? You really make those decisions. Like, I mean, how many people have I talked to that said, you know, I really thought I could have like a glass of wine here and there, or I thought I could do, you know, X, Y, and Z. And, and what I'm realize, realizing at my third or my fourth time at True North is that I really have to change my social group. I have to change how I'm viewing, you know, after I leave here in order to really kind of sustain that health. Because once you feel healthy, once you know what healthy feels like, you know, nothing else tastes as good, right? Or nothing, or, you know, what, whatever that saying is, I forget. Nothing tastes what, as good as health feels. Healthy feels, that's right. Gregor, I think, said that. And I love that saying. I do. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So Dina asks, is potato a vegetable or a tuber? <laughs> um, I consider it a vegetable, but I mean, it's it's there's there's different classifications of vegetables for sure, but it's definitely a vegetable. Yeah. It's a starchy vegetable. It's a starch. Yeah. yeah. Just like sweet potato. Nice. Uh, Mona says she looked up, she clicked the link to your course, but there's no date and time. That's because it, it's, it's evergreen, right? I mean, it it's is evergreen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. I, I did that specifically because I want people to get in there whenever they need it, you know, go, go back to it. Um, stop it if you need to. I mean, it's, it's two hours. The first half is an hour. The second half is an hour. Um, and there's a lot of data in there. Like I really wanted people to immerse themselves in this information and in the science so that you understand why it's important. And I do from the feedback that I've gotten from the people that have done the course, they really do feel like it's given them another kind of tool in their toolbox to, to keep going forward and maintaining this healthy um, journey that they're on. So nice. Yeah. All right. Uh, da, da, da. Let's see, I saw a question about hydro hydrogenated water and a mineral supplement such as LMNT. I don't know what that is, but do you recommend a three-day fast using hydrogenated water and LMNT? I don't think you need to. Many people, what they always are concerned about is what it's going to happen with your electrolytes when you do a water fast. And remember that your body is, gosh, it is so intelligent and it has a self-healing mechanism. And so it will be, it will do everything it can in order to regulate um, all the physiological functions um, during the fast. Most people, I know it's hard to believe this, but most people do not need a single change to their electrolytes when they're doing a water fast, anywhere from 21 day water fast, 30 day water fast. I've even seen many people go through 40 day water fast without needing any electrolytes. So, um, it, it, what's really important, and this is what chef AJ already mentioned is that if you're going to undertake something like that, please, please make sure that number one, you're safe to do it. Number two, you've had blood work um, that shows that you're safe to do it. And there's no concerns or no red flags and you're not on medications, all this other concerns, because those are the things that could absolutely then change the course of fasting once you're in there. So. Okay. Thanks. Mona says, well, I, when she says it, I think she must mean the course explain my sleep score. She did a sleep study. 
The course probably won't um, go deep into the sleep score. That's another course that I'm actually doing. So stay tuned because I'm actually going to do all the foundations of health just to really help um, cinch up what we really teach at Whole at uh, True North, right? So as most people know, we're under like the hygiene movement and the hygiene movement really says that there's different factors that people need to make sure that are in their life in order to be healthy. And so sleep is definitely one of them, but the course is really designed for you to understand stress and change in your life and how it can affect you and how traumas affect you. Right. Um, for instance, I know that you're in Sacramento, you're, you're in California now too. Yeah, yep, I'm Northern in, California. I'm, yep. I'm in Northern California too. Um, we've been affected by fires. You know, how would that affect, you know, your ability to stay healthy? What are the things that you have to do in order to kind of stay consistent with um, all your health goals, things like that. So, but the next course is going to be definitely with sleep and we'll go okay. deeper with that. Hey, are you on your lunch hour now? Yes. Oh no. Well, tell me anytime you need to stop because you need to get some delicious food. That's, oh, no. a, that's a perk about working there. Hi, huh? you get your meals made for you. I love it. I love it. Well, you know what though? I will say this. I do more intermittent fasting, so I'm doing just fine. I usually have like a really late, late breakfast, early lunch kind of deal. So I'm yeah, totally that's funny. Yeah. Cause I was going to ask you about that because yeah. we keep hearing so much about intermittent fasting and I have a lot of doctors on the show that are Seventh-day Adventists and they do it, but they do breakfast and lunch and they're telling me and they keep, cause my, my primary doctor up here is Seventh-day Adventist and he awesome. doesn't have dinner and they all say, no, it's much better to just do breakfast and lunch circadian rhythms. I mean, it may be better, but it's much more difficult, especially if you have a family or want to socialize, but what, what do you know about intermittent fasting and does it really matter if it's lunch, dinner, breakfast, lunch, you know? It, it definitely can. Um, I, you know, when you look at intermittent fasting uh, studies, what's really exciting, and I think this is really great for your viewers to know, I just went to a conference two weeks ago in Florida, and it was an international conference. Um, and it was, and so it, it was everybody from MDs, DOs, NPs, PAs, you know, all the <laughs> all the titles out there for the medical world. Um, and the exciting thing was that everybody was talking about intermittent fasting. Um, and the reason why that's exciting is because this is really not only part of a smaller niche of doctors that are listening or like going into this type of research, but it's actually really moving into the conventional world. Um, and one of the things that they will talk about time and time again is really time restricted feeding. Um, and so when you look at that, it's really important just to have your feeding window in a more uh, truncated uh, period of time. What studies do show is that as long as you are doing at least 12 hours from the time you eat dinner, to the next uh, meal, that is baseline. That should be across the board. Every single human in the entire world should be at least trying to do that because um, that's the safest you know, model. That's, that's the number one best thing. Um, when you keep moving kind of down the line, when you're trying to do 14 or 16 hours where you're actually even shortening the uh, feeding window, so you're restricting it, um, that, is, that, is, that can be even more powerful, but it depends upon what your goals are. So I always say to patients, what can you do? Like, are you, are you more of a breakfast person? Or are you more of a dinner person? You know, if you are more of a breakfast person, then eat breakfast and lunch and skip dinner for some people, you know, dinner is the only time that they're going to be with their families and they're going to have that time together. So skipping breakfast is actually easier than, you know, doing a dinner, um, than skipping dinner. But what studies do show is that, especially with diabetes type two in insulin resistance, some of the metabolic syndrome type of cases, it does benefit in order to skip dinner so that you are following the circadian pattern. So if that is something that works for you um, following, and then that also follows your diurnal insulin and cortisol drives as well. Um, so there is a lot of studies in that. I skip breakfast just because I've never in my life been a breakfast person. Me I kept neither. And that's why I can't see, see how this will change. And they say, well, don't eat dinner. Well, I don't eat dinner and I still don't get hungry for breakfast. So I don't get it. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I say I, the, the real science. And when you look at all the literature, I mean, there is, if anybody wants more information, go to PubMed or go to Google Scholar, which are the two sites that really help you kind of dive into the research. Every single research study kind of ends off with just saying, when you are doing more of a restricted feeding window, you are winning. Um, there is, there is a point where you can have too much fasting. Um, and that's when, you know, you're, if you're burning a lot of calories during the day, because you're exercising, you're working, you're doing a lot, um, then, you know, doing maybe one meal a day might be just too little because number one, not only are you not getting enough calories to satisfy hormonal functions and physiological function, but also you definitely at that point in time, might not even be getting the nutrient load that your body needs in order to function appropriately. So, um, so it's, it's that Goldilocks effect, right? Like you want to really make sure that you're paying attention to how much nutrients and calories you're getting per day. Um, not, I mean, I, I wouldn't say go crazy with it, but like, just make sure that you're getting at least like two meals a day in there, but in a shortened feeding window. Right. Because these people that do OMAD one meal a day, I mean, it seems like it would basically be a binge because how can you get all the calories you need in one meal? It is. Yeah, it is. And, I, and they, and, and I, and I joke about it, but actually it is, it's, it's like half joking because there is truth to it. If you really are thinking about doing one meal a day, um, first of all, it, it would be really difficult because of the nutrient load. And you would have to really pay mind to like making sure you get so much of the rainbow in that one meal, but you would really have to be a monk you know, or a nun where all you are doing is really maybe, you know, very light activity. Maybe you're praying or meditating, you know, for hours a day. Um, so it, it really, it doesn't really function well for a normal uh, human that's dealing with the stressors of the world. You know, you know, it's funny because you talked about do what you can do. And to me, like if I were to do the intermittent fasting the way the Adventist doctors want me to or the way they do it, and they think it's just the greatest thing, it would cause so much stress that it would undo any effect intermittent fasting. Yeah. And that's why, and that's, and that's why that's where you people, you know, what I always recommend is we have to tailor, you know, our uh, our recommendations for healthy, not only diets, right? Lifestyle changes, all of that to the individual, because it's not a one size fits all. It's really going to be like what a person can do with, you know, the, the, the life that they have or their environment. So I, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Judith says, can we do this course on our own without joining the class? I don't think it actually is a class. I think it's like a program that you do at your own pace. Yeah, absolutely. Some people decide to do it after their fast at True North just so that they can get a reset entirely. Um, and 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 for anybody that's ever done a water fast at True North, um, you know, one of the things that people do always say is that you're not only just fasting from food, you also are taking yourself out of your natural environment. So it helps you to really kind of you really reset the mind and the soul as well so that you're get you're going back into the world almost like a new person like you really have gone deep into just kind of working through any old stuck you know, um, baggage that there is. And so that's where the course can also just heighten that experience because of the fact that you're, you're, you're now being, there's an explanation and there is tools that you can use once you've done that, when you go back into the world, just like, you know, you can use chef AJ's program or, or things of that nature. To, if you need tools of how to stay close to whole food plant-based SOS, this is like another tool in your toolbox to help you manage some of the stressors that might hit you. Um, as you go, as you, as you come out of the fast, but you do not need to be fasting first in order to do the course. So it's really designed for anybody. Right. I, as Sylvia says, why would a person do a 30 to 40 day water fast? That sounds really intense. That is intense. Um, you know, of course, as you can imagine, you, you definitely need to have the, um, the reserves in order to do that long of a fast. Number one, number two is that, um, a lot of times individuals that are deciding to do that long of a fast, or if we are approving that length of a fast, it's usually a pretty chronic, um, type of, uh, illness or a chronic inflammatory state that 
requires or that is calling for um, more time in that fasting zone. So um, sometimes what happens is people just have that much time in order to dedicate to their health. And so they really make that um, kind of goal in order to do that length of time um, or, and then other times people are doing so well. I mean, there's so many times people come, it's getting a little harder just because we are getting so much um, more individuals coming to true North. But sometimes when people are here, they're thinking they're only going to do a 14 day fast, but they are doing so well. Um, their vitals are normal. They are really loving the stay and they want to keep going because they see the benefits or they're, they're seeing pain reduction. They're seeing digestion, improve all of that stuff. So they want to keep going. And so then they start, then we do all day by day, right? We're always assessing every single day to see, are you safe to keep going? And some people end up with 30 to 40 days and, and there is a benefit sometimes. God bless them. I didn't say I know. Okay. So, I, I agree. And I work here. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that's not, that's not most people aren't fasting 40 days, not most, right? Average, I would say, no, not, not 40 days for sure. Average, I would say is anywhere from 14 to 25. Wow. That's still yep. long. Mm-hmm. So you kind of answered this, but she might've tuned in late. This is Sylvia says, if I wanted to do a water fast and wanted to do this at home, that's the first thing we, nobody recommends that. I believe she's whole food plant-based, but on a low dose of antidepressants, any guideline. Cause she said that you cannot fast on antidepressants. Yeah. yeah. First thing I would do is definitely, um, if you are interested in fasting for you, I would not do it at home, um, because you can't do it on medications. Um, but also with antidepressants, those are the class of medications that you really need to work with your doctor in order to taper off if you're safe to taper off of them. Um, and then once you're tapered off of them or you're able to come off of them, that's when I would probably contact uh, Dr. Goldhammer or True North and, and figure out a time when you can come in here and do a supervised fast. I would not recommend for someone who has who is coming off medications like that, I would not recommend doing it at home. Uh, there's, there's so many different nuances that can come up um, with getting off medications that you've been on long-term. So, right. Right. Thank you. Uh, Kathy says, does your course, and by the way, the course we have links in the chat in the show notes. So check it out. It's on stress resilience and optimal health. Does it cover the pleasure trap and, or how to avoid processed foods if addicted to food? So uh, yes and no. So the, so I definitely go deep into talking about the pleasure trap and I definitely go into the beautiful power of whole food plant-based to help sustain, um, kind of foundations of health and healthy, like even stress resilience, because when you're eating, right, you're able to manage your stressors, um, much better. Um, but actually I, I love the fact that you asked this question is because the point of the course is for someone who considers themselves maybe a food addict or has maybe binging concerns to help you understand that some of those drives in order to want, let's say, processed food or to want um, refined carbohydrates or to want um, the pleasure trap is really not necessarily maybe in this um, kind of addictive from birth type of uh, concern. It's more of a neurotransmitter imbalance that has come from more stressor type situations. So the idea is that if you have tools in your toolbox to manage stressors, when they hit your ability to stay on online with the diet or with, with the whole food plant-based, no salt, no sugar, no oil is going to be um, much of an easier pathway. So remember, cause stress can cause a lot of cortisol and even like trauma early on can cause a lot of cortisol disruption. And what we are finding is in children um, that have actually like a lot of stress, even growing up, your ability to produce serotonin and dopamine actually is, is dysfunctional. And so what happens is, is as you can imagine when you're trying to soothe yourself or when you're seeking pleasures, pleasurable pathways, um, you're going to have so many more, right. Um, in imbalances with those serotonin dopamine, which is why you're seeking out things that drive them, right? Like 
high sugar foods, like some people with alcohol, like some people with, you know, different types of drugs like heroin, cocaine. But if you even study, you know, um, Gabor Mate's work, he, he worked with some of the most severe addicts in Vancouver. And what he said was that underneath every single addiction is always some sort of, of an emotional um, kind of, uh, you know, unraveling that needs to happen or some sort of really deep trauma. And when you work deeply there, you are actually then unraveling the addiction piece or the addictive um, qualities. So, so, you know, the, the, that's the point of the whole course. The whole course is to give you another tool in your toolbox so that you don't have to turn to like SOS type of foods. You don't have to turn to processed foods because your body doesn't want that. Your body actually wants self-soothing. Your body wants wants um, pleasure, but you can find it in other ways because of the fact that you're managing and you have that stress resilience. So hopefully I answered that question. Yeah. Thank you. Um, uh, somebody named Shachi, I think is asking, what about Dr. Stacy Sims uh, research that says women athletes shouldn't do intermittent fasting and should not work out fasted? And what about women going through perimenopause? Great questions. Yeah. So it goes back to what I was mentioning before is that there is definitely different kind of levels of intermittent fasting and time restrictive feeding windows. Um, and it's a little bit different for every person. Um, for perimenopause, I would say that um, there is actually quite a bit of research that shows that 12 to 14 hours can be very um uh, beneficial. And I can actually can help with hormone regulation during that time period. One of the best things you can do though. And if you're watching chef AJ's program, you're probably there already, but giving up meat, giving up dairy, um, giving up, you know, those highly processed foods are number one, and that can actually help with hot flashes, night sweating, things of that nature that you get um, when you go through that perimenopause, menopausal state. Um, but intermittent fasting is still safe for those individuals. Um, even during your menstrual cycle, there are times where fasting is actually more excuse me, more indicated than other times. Um, for menstruating women, for instance, doing it in the first 14 days. So before ovulation is going to be a little bit more um, advantageous than in your progesterone type of cycle or your luteal cycle, which is the, the last 14 days of the cycle. Um, your last 14 days of the cycle is really a time for rest. It's a really time for um, inward kind of focus. And so during that time, we don't recommend as much intermittent fasting. Um, so there is definitely different times. And with athletes, it's it goes back to what I mentioned, even with the one meal a day, those individuals need a higher caloric load um, because of the fact that they are, um, you know, kind of outputting so much calories because of the exercise that they're doing. So those are individuals that probably won't do, you know, a 16 or 18 hour fast, but even those individuals, believe it or not, can really benefit from a 12 hour fast. So just from the time that they have dinner to the time that they uh, wake up that 12 hour, just the basic fasting window. And that's still an intermittent fast, which is interesting, but they would probably be doing mul many multiple meals in between, you know, that or, or during their feeding window nice so linda who's watching live is a nurse and uh, where did your question go oh she's about to she's an lpn and she's about to start a shift that's i guess it's 7 p.m to 7 a.m one hour drive each way to and from work what is the best way to eat regarding fasting also she doesn't sleep well i don't think anybody that works at night really sleeps well because you're supposed to sleep at night right yeah well mm -hmm. One of the things I would just say, um, and I, and I, and I know that sometimes this is not possible, but I would really push to see if you can get more normal time. So, and I, and I say that just because as a doctor, I feel like, um, sometimes I just have to kind of say the foundational piece, um, in there. So if it is any way possible for you to get to a normal uh, schedule, that's number one. Number two is, um, you might already know this, but one of the best ways that uh, sleep studies have shown to be uh, to benefit individuals with night shift work is that make sure that you try to bunch together your 
uh, night work as much as you can, because I know that sometimes you have different types of breaks, like you can be 10 hours uh, or three days on or like four days off, things like that. Bunch it together as much as you can. And on the days that you are then um, actually not working, make sure you go back to your normal circadian pattern. That has been shown to be the most beneficial, not only for your circadian pattern, um, for general health, because what sleep studies are showing is that um, independent of anything else, just because you, your circadian pattern is flipped, um, you have a higher likelihood, or there is a higher likelihood of high blood pressure of insulin resistance, things of that nature. So working on those pieces is going to be the most powerful for you. And what I would really do because I think you're asking the question because you're already probably know this, which is awesome. But the, the, the thing about those night shifts is the more that you are kind of following a normal pattern, the better. And why I say that is because then if you have an hour drive, um, actually trying to eat before your shift, right? I don't love somebody eating in the car because you're not really mindful of what you're eating. So right before you go, I would then eat because then you're setting yourself up for success because then you have that 12 hour fast. I would not eat during your shift. Um, you know, bring teas, you know, bring a lot of water. You can, you can, you can potentially do juices if you really get like, um, nutrient deficient or even broth some Sometimes what I'll do um, with some of my night shift workers is have them bring like just a really beautiful veggie broth that they make. So you get some um, electrolytes um, and it also feels a little bit filling, but it's not necessarily like a lot of calories. So you can stay in at least that circadian patterning um, with your food being one of the drivers. And then what you do is when you go home, if you want to have something to eat, then you can have something to eat as well. So that it's almost like your breakfast is going to be when most people's dinners are and your dinner is going to be when most people's breakfasts are. Um, so, but, but definitely get back into a normal patterning once you're off of your work. So that's where the studies have been showing the most benefit. And that's interesting. Cause I thought yeah. they should, they, I would have thought they would should just stay on whatever schedule they are all the time. I would too. I would too. But the studies are showing actually the more that it's, it's one of the, it's actually the more somebody is against daylight. So, so one of the biggest drivers of our circadian patterning in our super chiasmatic nucleus, it, which is this little kind of pea like, um, uh, nucleus that's in our hypothalamus. It's, it's basically daylight and nighttime. So anytime you're getting signals from the outside world, that's signaling and driving this beautiful internal clock that we have. So the more you're staying abnormal or outside of what is in our environment, the more unhealthy it is. So anytime you can start to revert back to what's going on, you're going to start to create more and more health. So. Okay. Uh, thank you. So um, Dina wants to know, is water alkaline? Is water alkaline? Yeah. Hmm, that's a really good question. Um, I believe that it is. I don't know what the pH of it is. And I think that it probably would depend upon what water you're talking about. So um, meaning if you're taking it out of the tap, depending upon whether or not there's like chlorine, fluoride, some other chemicals in there, um, it might not be, let's say as alkaline. Oh, maybe it's distilled water alkaline. I'm sorry. Oh, it's distilled, distilled water alkaline. Yeah. Sorry, I missed that. Yeah. So distilled water is alkaline. Yeah. Great. Thank you. And yeah. if a, per, if a fast puts a person in an underweight situation, should that person ideally stay until they reach their ideal weight to avoid overeating once they get home in their own environment? No, not necessarily. Like stay at true North is what she's yeah. asking. No, yeah, she, no, not necessarily. No, I mean, most people, most people, you know, once they start to do the refeeding, the, the program that we have in place allows a person post fast to get to a place where they stabilize and they are safe to go back home. Um, and it, some people will decide to stay just because they want to enjoy the food and they want to enjoy the support and the community. Um, but you don't have to, because it's, it's set up in a way, if you're following the program to the T um, it's really meant to um, help the person stabilize and get back into um, normal 
you know, kind of feeding status once they're at home. So, and actually if you're, if you, if you go underweight and we want you to gain weight, a lot of times, you know, that is eating a little bit more caloric dense foods or just changing up whole food plant-based type of meals where maybe that person, they're going to have a lot of greens, but they're going to have maybe more beans, right. Or they're going to maybe have one or two more sweet potatoes or, or something to that effect where, you know, you can kind of change it up so that we can help them gain weight back to normal weight levels. Perfect. Thanks. I think we have time for a couple more questions. One of them is, can a colon flush be done safely in combination with a water fast? I don't think a colon flush can never be done safely according yeah. to you guys. Yeah. Well, we don't do, I, I'm, I'm thinking what their meaning is a colonic. So, mm -hmm. so in certain individuals that really do have problems with constipation, as you can imagine, we don't want anything like putrefying or getting stuck in the colon once they're doing the water fast, cause you're not going to have bowel movements in a water fast. But if you, one of the points and why we ask you to do fruits and vegetables prior to the fast is that it actually creates a high fiber content and, and lots of hydration. So you're moving stool out of the colon and you just have those beautiful plant fibers that are in there. Um, if somebody is really constipated, we might have them do like an enema or maybe a colonic prior to, but it would be dangerous for somebody to do a colonic or an enema or a smooth move tea or whatever you're using in order to, you know, push the bowels in a water fast, because you can actually, that's a great way to disrupt your electrolyte balance. So, you know. Yeah. Thank you. I saw a question from Beth. Where did it go? Come on. Here we go. Are flax or chia seeds sufficient for daily fats or should we include other nuts, seeds or avocado and what kind of nuts and seeds are allowed at True North? We allow in True North every nut and seed. Um, we don't usually um, have peanuts. I don't think, um, no, gold hammer doesn't like peanuts. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think I've ever seen anything that has that, but, but every other nut and seed, we definitely do allow. Um, I, I, this is because a lot of my work is in microbiome. Um, just so your viewers know, um, when you look at that literature, the, the beauty of it is that even, even docs that believe in ketogenic or paleo, the one thing they keep saying over and over is plant-based food is by far king. You know, when you're trying to get your microbiome or optimal health back in place, how they kind of go into paleo and keto, I'm, I'm not really sure. The, the studies don't even support it. But anyway, the reason I say that is because the more rainbow type foods and the more biodiverse your diet is, the healthier microbiome is going to be. And then that is going to equal um, greater optimal health across the board, every system in the body. So when I think about nuts and seeds, I say, get as much variety as you can. So if you could have like, let's say hazelnuts one day, you know, almonds, then walnuts, then pecans, um, you know, limit them, right? Because they're going to be a higher caloric density food and we don't want too much in your diet on a daily basis, but definitely get as much variety as you can. And, but pay attention though. Sometimes some people can't do every single nut or seed out there. Um, so really pay attention to what's, you know, doable for you. Right. Thank you. So it, Karen said she got the course. Congratulations, Karen. We'll get it as well. And if awesome. people want to follow you or get in touch with you or have a private consult with you, how do they do that? So um, I provided a couple of links. So I provide, if you want to just kind of follow me a little bit, um, I provided my Instagram link, um, which I get to post just some of my fun adventures or things that I hope will motivate and inspire individuals. Um, you can absolutely do a phone coaching um, uh, consult with me. Um, that is a link that I also provided. That's through True North. Um, so if, if the link maybe isn't working, all you have to do is go to True North's website. Um, and I'm actually on top of the on top of the screen and you could just uh, click it. It says phone coaching. Um, and there's a lot of us doctors that are doing it. So even if, if I'm maybe busy. There's other doctors that are just fabulous. Um, and, and then of course, if you come to true North, even if I don't get to see you as me being your attending for a water fast, um, I have a lot of patients coming to me for consults, um, just above and beyond, you know, what they're doing at true North. So, yeah. Okay. Last question real quick. Is it okay to do a water fast with spring water? 
It is. It's definitely okay. the The reason we do um, more distilled water is is because um, the way we look at it is we really want to make sure that all you're doing in this beautiful state is to um, kind of allow the body to heal at the deepest level. And so, as you can imagine, with spring water, sometimes there is we don't you know not not every spring water is really as clean as it is, and a lot of times they have this mineral, but they don't have that mineral, and and so there's so much variance. Those little things can sometimes shift or change the course of a fast. So it's not that it's it's necessarily dangerous. It's just more of there's you're adding in a variable, and with distilled water, that variable is not there. Great. Thank you. Well, thank yep. you. This was a lot of fun. It was great catching up with you. Oh, you too. Always. It's really awesome. great to see you. Thank you, Dr. Varesh. And thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Please come back tomorrow when Dr. Nikki Davis is going to be giving a wonderful presentation on plant-based made easy. Thanks, everyone.